Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Thursday, Valley sports fans. How is everybody doing today? Because I am doing just terrific. Hi, Vinny. How are you? Bick, what is up? What is up? A tremendous Thursday to you. Now, uh, I'm going to do the whole show as the pimp in the box. That would be fun. (laughs) At least an hour. Can we get an hour out of you like that? Could your voice handle it? (laughs) What is up? Yeah, I think he can. Why not? I think he can dial that up. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could probably do that. You remember Scott Farrell of Sports Radio fame? That voice you could not do. I could not do that voice for an hour. Yeah. No, no, no. And he does it in that gravel. You wouldn't have a throat left I by the end of it. He's still he's still chugging along, too. By the end of it, you'd sound like the lead singer from Disturbed <laughs> back when he could sing. <laughs> Ho! <laughs> All right, so Vinny, so yesterday I went and took my tennis racket in to get restrung, and I think, Uh-oh. I think I might have found inspiration. Ooh. So I picked up my tennis racket. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go down to the park. I'm going to start banging some serves. I'm just going to see what I've got left. So don't call it a comeback, but I went down a rabbit hole, Vinny. There's uh, there's some senior division tournaments this summer. Yeah? I'm thinking about it. You want to play some doubles? There's a, there's a weekend tournament in Albuquerque I might be shooting for. Wow. There's a grass tournament in Scottsdale. I might, I might try for a fourth career comeback. Do you have to... Do you, to get into these tournaments, do you have to have a USTA rating? I, yeah, I, I'm sure you need something. Yeah. I'll be like Gronk. I'll beg my way in. <laughs> I'll be like Rob Gronkowski is what I'll I'm do. I'm big. Come on. How can I get a card like that? Look huh? at this picture of me hitting a backhand yeah, in high right. school. Look at that mullet. Look How could you cre- not let me look in? Look at these credentials. I'm special. <laughs> right. Who said argue that? You might have a better chance of getting into those tournaments than you do of getting Gronk's uh, wish list insurance. No, that is true. That is true. So so, so maybe if, if, if your hip's up to it and my knee's up to it, maybe we could get a doubles team going, Vinny. Maybe yeah, we'll go win Wimbledon. But before that, um, if you ever want to just like after the, I, I'm looking for something to to, to, to play pickleball. Switch, switch up the want. routine. No, I'll go hit tennis. Oh, with will you? Ya? Okay, yeah. all right, we can do that. I have frustrations I need to take out on when, something. When I, I, I suck at tennis, but I would I would like to play pickleball. When I uh, when I picked up my racket yesterday, there was a dude who was buying a couple of pickleball rackets, and he was over there complaining paddles, he, yeah, paddles, paddles. and he was over there complaining, going, "Oh well, there's these tennis courts. They should just." Tear them down and turn them into pickleball cards. I don't know why they're wasting them on tennis. <laughs> and I looked at the guy. I'm like, 
I want to hit you so bad. If you said that in front of the wrong tennis person, they would yeah, hit you. I, I was close. I was and you wouldn't close. get hit with a flat paddle. You'd get know. hit with the grid of the strings close. right across the yeah. face. Yeah. There's a lot of pissed off tennis people. All right, so uh, so we do have to talk Suns basketball today, don't we? Start the show, we, Ferret. We do. And the splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Day 24 on the Arizona Cardinals coaching search. Yesterday, the team reportedly interviewed Cincinnati defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo, all right, (laughs) for the position... With Bengals offense, I'm delirious. Leave me alone. Oh, uh, with Bengals he, offense, he gets hired. That's how we have to. Um, hey, coach, and a room. Oh, that's so wrong. Uh, Bengals all offense that coordinator Brian Callahan interviewing today. <laughs> Arizona still considering seven available candidates. Three of the five open jobs in the NFL already filled. Colts, the other franchise, looking for a vacancy. Callahan apparently had his second interview with the Colts yesterday, according to reports. So it continues. Um, we'll get into this today. Um, there's there's still all this developing reaction to how the Cardinals are conducting this search, where they are in this process. How wide exactly is this net? Mm. Michael Bidwell wasn't lying. It's it's a far and wide net. Well, they uh they are one they are one signature away from being the only team in the NFL without a head coach. Yeah, that would not be a good look. No, it wouldn't. Uh, of course, the big news from the NFL almost 24 hours ago: Tom Brady announcing his retirement from the league after 23 seasons. That included seven Super Bowls, ten uh, Super Bowl appearances, three MVPs, the all-time leader in completions, attempts, yards, and touchdown pass passes. Let's put it this way: I looked it up. Uh, just because I was curious. Um, Brady active last year. Among active quarterbacks, Brady had 26,422 more career yards than the next closest active quarterback. Oh, yeah. Who was yeah. Matt Ryan. Uh, put it this way. Patrick Mahomes, to catch Tom Brady in yards, touchdowns, uh, he would have to play 13 more seasons, average 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns a year for 13 more years. So that's that's the distance he has put between him he, and the six. Six more Super Bowl victories among active quarterbacks. That is the singular number yeah, to me. Yeah, uh, Brady did strike a 10-year $375 million contract with Fox Sports to be the network's number one analyst last year, but it's unclear uh, currently on when he'll take the position. But they do have this thing in a couple of weeks that's a pretty big broadcast. I imagine they might roll him out then. Uh, the San Francisco oh, 49ers had their saying. season uh, media wrap-up on Wednesday after being knocked out from the playoffs last weekend. Coach Kyle Shanahan says he doesn't see any scenario in which quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is on next year's team. A similar refrain to last offseason, but Garoppolo was brought back on a restructured deal. Went 7-3 and three and 10 starts after Trey Lance was injured in September. 49ers could be looking at a full year or two without quarterback Brock Purdy, who uh, according to some reports, and pending a second opinion, might need Tommy John surgery after suffering a torn ulnar collateral ligament in Sunday's NFC Championship game. And a Hall of Famer, Jen... Uh, General Manager Bobby Bethard passed away earlier this week at the age of 86. Ten years as the uh, GM in Washington and then a 
10-year stint as the GM of the San Diego Chargers and largely influential in the front office world. Uh, one word to describe the Suns' performance against the Atlanta Hawks. Bick, what do you got? Grotesque. Sarah, you got a word? Jarrett? It's a four-hour show, Jared. No, sorry. <laughs> I was looking up Scott Farrell cuts. Sorry. <laughs> Were you really? I went with yuck was my word. Uh, the Hawks did whatever they wanted in a 132-100 win over the Suns at Footprint Center. Atlanta led by uh. three after the first quarter, but started the second quarter on a 22-3 run. Never looked back. Hawks hit 19 of 33 from three-point range. That's 57.6%. While the Suns chip paint off the rim by hitting four of 28 from distance. DeJounte Murray at 21 to lead Atlanta, who led by as many as 43 in the game. Mikel Bridges, 23 for the Suns. They now hit the road for the next five games starting tomorrow night in Boston. What could go wrong there? Oh, man. Uh, that trip will also take them to Detroit, Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Indiana. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported before the game last night that Devin Booker could return for the Suns' visit to Brooklyn against the Nets on Tuesday. Also a hat tip to Flex from Jersey, who's been saying that on the Suns' uh, post-game show for a while. Flex gets good information on that mm. um, Booker's not played since uh, aggravating a groin injury on Christmas night. He's missed 19 games, and the Suns are 8-11 and 11 in those contests. And also a roster move yesterday. Saban Lee brought back on a two-way deal. The Suns uh, opting to waive Dwayne Washington oh, Jr. Our guy. Yeah. It was a it was a rough exit for Dwayne. I know. College hoops tonight. ASU trying to snap out of an ugly four game losing streak as they host Oregon State at Desert Financial Arena. Tip off is at six on the Arizona Sports app at ninety eight seven. Meanwhile, down in Tucson, the fifth ranked Wildcats will host Oregon at McHale Center at eight thirty. That game will be televised on ESPN with Dave Pash and Bill Walton calling all the action of the Conference of Champions. Uh, big news on the college football front on National Signing Day. ASU gets a commitment from four star quarterback recruit Jaden Rashada as part of this year's class. Rashada was with Florida's class, but a lucrative NIL deal fell through in Gainesville. Rashada asked for and received his release. 24-7 Sports has him as the number six quarterback overall in this year's class. He joins a quarterback room that includes uh, Trenton Bourget, who started a lot last year, uh, as well as Drew Pine, the transfer from Notre Dame, and Jacob Conover, a Chandler high grad from BYU. Mm. 46 players have been added since Kenny Dillingham took over. 26 from the high school and junior college ranks and 20 uh, transfers. Yeah, the crown jewel of a very strong start for Kenny yes. Dillingham. Yes. Uh, WNBA free agency opened yesterday. The Mercury re-signed Sophie Cunningham, who finished the uh, third in the league's most improved player voting. Meanwhile, four-time All-Star and former MVP Brianna Stewart leaving Seattle, signing on with the New York Liberty. And how about this story? The Arena Football League announced it's coming back in 2024. Yeah, I'm telling you, you cannot kill the Arena Football League. The Arena Football League might as well just like have an axe and a hockey mask. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Jason Voorhees. <laughs> They announced a plan for 16 teams to play a 10-game schedule starting in 2024. The league started back in 86, shut down in 2019 amid a Chapter 7 bankruptcy filing. Uh, the local Arizona Rattlers participated in the league from 1992 until 2016 before jumping to the Indoor Football League. They're still a member there. City locations and teams have not been announced, but I wonder how enticing that might be for maybe a move back for the Rattlers? I don't know. We shall see. And they're entering a, a landscape that now is going to have the XFL and the, what is the other one? USFL? Yes. 
That's a lot of football leagues. There's a lot more than that. Oh, there's too. a lot. There's a lot of stuff in the valley, Jared. Sorry. I'm not sure if you noticed. There's a lot of stuff. The <laughs> word over, the word oversaturated comes to mind. <laughs> when I think of oversaturated, I think of all of the Hank Gudgleys who will yes. be filling those leagues. Yes, yes. I can't wait to get my Mungo Bean. Yeah, that's the other guy. Was there a third, Jared? Gudge. Gudge Hackley? Hackley? No, no. Hank Gudge. No, there was another one, too. Yeah. Uh, See if you can recall that, Jarrett. He's still looking up Scott Farrell cuts. Yeah. You never did get <laughs> your one what, word. Jared, just to make yourself laugh? <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking up Scott Farrell cuts for, Ferret? The Cardinals are the greatest thing ever. Everybody else can, you know, just give up. <laughs> what? Give up. The Cardinals are the greatest thing Good ever. Job, I mean, everybody else can just, you know, give up. Is give he up. Okay. That's his real voice. Remember That's his he, real voice he had all the time. Stick to it. He would pour like pretend beers for listeners. So listeners would call in. He'd pot them <laughs> up on the show. Get, get him a, you want. Get him a cold one. He's a freak. <laughs> what? One eight hundred bets twenty nine. For those who know, then you realize how great that is. That's a fabulous impression, Vinny. There is well your spot for Groundhog Day. Woo. Don't forget your booties because it's cold outside. Cardinals coaching search update is next here on Big. Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 24. Day 24 of the Arizona Cardinals coaching search. They remain just one of two teams still looking for a coach, and seems like everybody's talking to the same people. Yesterday, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator of the Bengals, interviewed for a second time with the Indianapolis Colts, and today he'll get his first go-around, according to reports, with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and yesterday, you know, driving around, uh, and I was listening to Burns and Gambo, and they had, they had a poll question on, you know, which um, which group will the new head coach come from? And this really got me thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, group A on this poll question, I just got to pull it up real quick, I'm sorry. Uh, group A on the poll question was... Man, they post a lot of stuff. Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, Ejero Ivero, and Aaron Glenn. Group B, Brian Callahan, Lou Anarumo, and Mike Kafka. Mm. If you had to pick who the next coach was going to be from one of those two groups, where would you go? I don't know. I think it's Group A still, because I think we are careening towards an announcement of Vance Joseph taking over as the Whoa. head coach of the yeah, Cardinals. You sound stunned by that. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I thought it'd be a good reaction for the uh, okay. radio listeners. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, no, I was just curious if you were really stunned or not, because I do think that that's kind of the thing that, that people are starting to go, oh, man, is this where this whole thing is going to? Because the more and more you think about it, the Brian Flores thing, if he is such a great fit, then what is the holdup between he and the Cardinals? Now, some people might suggest, well, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the Cardinals didn't think the world of him. Maybe Brian Flores, after being being through what he went through in Miami, is going to be very very picky about what situation he gets himself into. There's that, and I, I you know, to branch that out, Vic, I can't help. And again, this is just feel what I'm going on, my perception, mm-hmm. and how it rattles around in my brain. Mm-hmm. But in this process now, which is in again day 24, and there's been what 11 candidates total that have been linked to or talked to by the Arizona Cardinals. How much is their level of 2022 dysfunction coming back in these discussions with these potential head coaches where it's like, 
Yeah, thanks, but it's not the right time for me right now. Okay, and I'm going to take it a step further. I think when you take a look at a guy like Brian Flores, and not just Brian Flores, but any other candidate who might look at the Arizona Cardinals, there is a fear that if you take this job as an inexperienced, unknown head coach, you might have a year not dissimilar from Steve Wilkes' first year in Arizona. That's what it might look like to Mm -hmm. people from the outside with the the, uh, uncertainty about Kyler Murray, with the team that won four game four games last year with a team that has all this turnover coming there's a there's a very strong chance that ne- next year is going to stink out loud around here yeah. and if you're a rookie head coach you're looking at it going what are they going to do are they going to fire me they're going to do me the way they did Steve Wilkes and so there's a real fear among people to come in here just based on what next year is going to look like and then what it's going to mean for them. If you come in here as a hot new rookie head coach and you go 5 and 12 in your first year with the, and and that might be and that might be generous given what might be in front of the Cardinals in the next 10 months. We don't know what's coming. Yeah. But if that's the case, then you as a, a coach, you've, you, you're, you're, you're wandering past the graveyard at this point. And so people are looking at, is this a career killer for me? Which is why this job is not that appealing. And I mean, again, it might have been perfect for a guy like Sean Payton who knew what he was getting into if he had X amount of control. But a guy like Brian Flores, he might be like, I don't know about this. Yeah. I, I don't well, I don't know if I'm going to have the kind of control I need to cover my own ass if things get bad. Especially with the way things ended for Brian Flores in Miami. He knows that his next head catch coaching job has to be the one that works. Well, yeah, I mean, and his last one did work to a degree. I, I see that point, but... I mean, just the way it ended, yeah, though, yeah, but, and all the stuff surrounding him, he, he, if he wants to re-enter the head coaching, he probably wants to do it in a good situation. Probably, yeah, and, and, and if he chooses, he'll be a coordinator somewhere uh, in the league and have a chance to up his stock even more. So it's not he, a ticking clock listen, for, for Brian Flores by any stretch. He's in a very safe stable environment right now. Yeah. He's in Pittsburgh. He's under Mike Tomlin. He's he's done a great job there. People have raved about him. He trusts Mike Tomlin. He trusts the Pittsburgh Steelers. And for a guy that we all thought was going to be blackballed, you know, he's probably going to be real careful about where he ventures out to next. Absolutely. But at the beginning of this process, you and I were in agreement. We're still in agreement how much head coaching experience matters in this hire. Indeed. And it just seemed like, okay, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to hire somebody with head coaching experience unless those with experience don't want any part of this job. And that leaves you with Vance Joseph, who does have head coaching experience, and it leaves you maybe making another hire of the Cliff Kingsbury ilk of a guy who's very early in his uh, in his coaching career, doesn't have a ton of experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. If they go down that route this, this time around, Vic... Mm-hmm. Whoever that head coach, the first-time head coach will be, will have less coaching experience than Kingsbury did. Because at least he had several years in the college ranks running a program. Yeah, but college football is not the NFL. But you're right. But your point is accurate. Your point, at least he was actively engaged in, in being, running, a being, running a program and being ultimately accountable for a program. Yes, I do agree with that. 
So um, I, I, the thing about Vance Joseph, it, it's not that he's undeserving. It's the fact that he was part of the previous culture. So really, how much of a change are you effectively making, perceptually well, and realistically? And if they go down that road, too, I'm just saying what a lot of the perception will be. With, with Kyler Murray's you know immediate future, very uncertain, there will be a lot of people that feel like, all right, Vance Joseph was plugged in as a stopgap guy. And mm-hmm. Love you, Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lovey Smith, David Culley, one mm-hmm. of you know a hire, which I hate those type of hires. Well, it, in this regard, the Cardinals are lucky they have him there. As yes. somebody pointed out, it's a little bit odd that Vance Joseph is not interviewed for any defensive coordinator's job at all that we know of in a situation where a new head coach might be hired and might be bringing in his own people. So what does that tell you? I've talked to people, Josh Weinfuss of ESPN has even reported this, that Vance Joseph was very confident at the end of the season in his chances to get this job. That's what I think would have people tripping a little bit. The fact that this whole thing wasn't necessarily a charade, but but something where it's just Michael Bidwell isn't isn't interested in, in that kind of radical change, no matter how badly it's needed. Mm-hmm. But again, it might with the Cardinals in this particular situation, they may not have any better options. That's true. It's true. We'll keep you updated throughout uh, today's show until the Cardinals have their new head coach. Coming up next, uh, it's really hard to win a basketball game when you play two on five. And the Phoenix Suns found that out the hard way last night. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Atlanta is going to come to Phoenix and get a blowout victory. Final score, 132-100. The Hawks beat the Suns to get back to 500 at 26-26 on the season and 13-15 and on the road for Atlanta. The Suns fall to 27-26. They are now 19-9 and here at home at the Footprint Center. John Bloom on the final call from Footprint Center last night, a game that was just uh, eight shades of ugly. For the Phoenix Suns, they got blown out by the Atlanta Hawks, 132 to 100. The Hawks shoot 58% from three-point range, 19 of 33. The Suns couldn't hit a shot. Uh, Monty Williams just kind of summed it up. We have had a good stretch of basketball. We had one tough night tonight. It's pretty obvious that when you have Book out and Landry and Cam, you need a lot from McHale, Chris, Cam, and DA. And that combination has been good for us lately. It just wasn't there tonight. That's that's nobody's fault. It's just the way it is. But we have played really good basketball here of late and um, our guys understand that. There wasn't one head down in that locker room. They understand the way we have to play. We had a tough night and sometimes you just have to leave it at that and not try to be too deep about it. Um, obviously as a coach I'm going to look at the film and <laughs> pull a lot from it that we can get better at in particular transition defense. I mean that's we're going out on the road and we certainly can't have that when we go out on the road. Yeah, uh, it's good to hear Monty Williams say that fact about hey, there wasn't a head down because this was kind of a return Mm. to something that was getting disturbing for a while and that was this trend of blowout losses. Now, is it one game? Yes, but is a loss like this more alarming when you have a, a larger number of your regulars back? Yes. And we can start, and I'm not picking on him, but there's been a lot of talk about Chris Paul. Mm hmm. Is he back? He looks like he's yeah, back was, to his form. And then last night, it I might have jumped the gun a bit on that yesterday. Whole, and I'm not, I'm not pointing at you specifically, no, but because you can. You I, can. I was there too. He looked fantastic for the previous mm-hmm. five games, and last night, 
Not even a factor. No. 323. Yes, that is an area code in the L.A. area, but it was also Chris Paul's stat line last night. Yeah, uh, I had a couple of thoughts about this. So last night I'm sitting around waiting for the late tip-off to get here, and I'm watching the Boston Celtics annihilate Brooklyn, and I thought, okay, at least we're not going to watch one of those games. Duh! Yeah, great, you, great yeah. night for ESPN. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah, real great <laughs> night for ESPN hoops. And, and then it, and then as they got closer to tip-off of, of the game in Phoenix, they showed the cutaway, and there's Chris Paul walking in, and his body language, it was, it was okay, but it, it, it wasn't, you know, it is. Sometimes these guys come in and it's like it's like a peacock walk, right? When they're coming in after parking their cars, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And I'm like, ooh, he doesn't look like he's brimming with confidence. And, and, and again, that's just a surface observation I had. And, and sure enough, a couple hours later, I was like, man, did I jump the gun on the return of Chris Paul talking? You weren't it, alone. Well, but again, it also kind of, it speaks to that thing that we talk about greatness. And, and when players age, you can't summon it every night. You can summon it Mm -hmm. in pockets and in bits and pieces. Uh, The difference is is that, you know, the Suns have been blessed uh, recently with a very manageable schedule, and and no apologies. Before that, they had a very difficult schedule. So the stuff balances out, obviously. Um, Last night was against a team that, like you said, the kryptonite for the Suns are these young athletic teams that wing you to death and come at you and just and, and there was a lot of that last night. There well, was not a lot of of combating the energy of Atlanta. Yeah, and Atlanta comes in, and you know, two years ago they were the surprise team. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they lost to the Bucks before the Bucks beat the Suns in the finals. And you know, they've changed their look a little bit, but that core is still largely together. They added Dejounte Murray, so you know, I, I'm looking at their starting lineup last night, and I'm like, Murray, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella. And then a couple of good players coming off the bench and young players mm-hmm. coming off the bench. I'm like, how is this team this bad? They should be better. And I mm-hmm. think that was one of my takeaways from last night. And they put it all together last night. And that's a team, Bick, that had been struggling mightily defensively. They had been, you know, even in games that they were winning, they were shootout wins. They couldn't stop anybody. Yeah. And they made stopping the Suns look very easy last night. And I mentioned it, you know, in, in the last segment and teasing what we were going to talk about. Two on five, it was early on, very early. Yeah, indicative that, you know, DeAndre Ayton showed up to play last night. Mikel Bridges didn't shoot a great percentage um, and did some good things and did some not so good things, but mm-hmm. he played with energy. Torrey Craig played with energy early, mm-hmm. but that was it. Yeah. The Suns got nothing from Cam no. Johnson again, and, nope. and this constant struggle of, of his minutes, and it was talked about again last night. He played four minutes and change in his first stint and went to the bench. A real quick hook for him in the first quarter, I think, which I I, was, I think the quickest hook since he came back. I, I didn't quite understand that. I thought is is he is he dealing with some issues now? Is that knee swelling up on him? It, wait, what, why why are we here? He missed thirty seven games. Yeah, uh, he I, didn't exactly uh, you know he didn't exactly rush his way back <laughs> that term again. But you know that that's kind of par for the course for that type of injury, is it? And it came. Uh, it, okay. It can be. Okay. Um, I, I thought I thought that that was kind of stretched out a little bit. But again, I, I have no no issues with it. it's regular season basketball. I'm not saying I do. Yeah. I'm just saying that you would think that with a prolonged uh, or a maxed out return, you'd be ready to go uh, a little bit harder and a little more frequently than that. I thought that was odd to be to be pulled that early in the game. Especially, I mean, I know he's been struggling with his shot his last two games. I think he's three of sixteen from the floor. 
But he's a guy, if you get that early confidence from Cam Johnson, it can normally carry you oh, yeah. through a game. And it's really hard to do anything in a four-minute stint when you start the game. When when you're coming out of the ball game before that first media timeout, that mm-hmm. is a quick, quick stint in the NBA. Well, so there's that. Um, yeah. you know, the Chris Paul thing we, we, we talked about. We'll get more into the bench later on. Uh, and what a crapshoot that has been lately. There's a couple of other things, and in that soundbite we played, Monty Williams talked about transition defense, which you know wasn't good when you give up 132 points. The Suns' transition offense and fast break offense, mm-hmm. last night they had a one-on-nothing, a two-on-one, and a four-on-two. You know how many points they got out of those oh, three I, possessions? Yeah. Zero. zero. Zero out of that. Zero yeah, point zero. Two is special. Yeah, no, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think that, 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 again, the level of athleticism was on display, the level of speed in which the game was played was on display, and the, the 37-year-old Chris Paul returned. Can we get the 36-year-old guy back, please? And again, I, I based a lot of that really just on a, a real kind of surface observation, watching him shoot three-point shots in the last five games or so. I've just noticed that he, he seems to have, have, have sort of recalibrated his, his mechanics and, his, and the loft on his shot. And again, I, that to me was like, okay, this is a guy who is figuring out what he has left for a real strong finish to this particular regular season. Last night was a down night. Quite clearly, yeah. I and, mean, and and you brought it up earlier. It, it when you get to a certain point in your career, even the greats they can't mm-hmm. bring it every night. That's what makes what LeBron James is doing from an individual standpoint remarkable because he's the same age as Chris Paul, and you know probably has more miles on the tires than Chris yeah, Paul that's does. A good point, but he still brings it every night. Yeah, he's the anomaly. He's the freak. You're talking of nice this. about LeBron. This yeah. is something. Yeah, I know yeah. he deserves it. Now, Luca. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, that ain't happening. Yeah, I'll uh, talk about that when he's thirty-seven years old. Here's 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 the deal, though. the The Suns are going out on the road before they get back. Matt Ishby is going to be I, unveiled as the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. That's still there, the plan. There is a lot that's gonna could be changing with this basketball team by the time they get home. You're getting that feeling, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh and, yeah. A week from today is the trade deadline. Uh, a week and a week from yesterday is, is the issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's every. Is that wood over there? Yeah. For Micah, whatever. Yeah, I always took yeah. it for granted. Yeah. Now. I don't know. I don't know. No, but oh, boom. Oh, oh, Jared. Hey, pull my finger. He's just got him at the ready. In the holster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, you know, I also looked it up. Since the beginning of December, the Suns have been not so good on national TV. Mm. Last no. night was one of them. They lose by 32. Uh, on MLK Day, they lost by 30 in Memphis mm-hmm. on national TV. Uh-huh. And uh, back on December 7th, they lost uh, 125 to 98 at home to Boston yes. on yeah. national TV. Yeah, that was yeah. So what could go wrong with that return visit to Boston? You're saying? Uh, yeah, because it's, it's, na- t- yeah. it's on national TV. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you get where I'm going. Oh, I certainly do. Yeah, hopefully it's one of those games that the Suns can flush. But uh, and and they talked about hey, we could maybe pull some good out of this game and. 
Hopefully that's the case because, you know, when you watched it in real time, there wasn't a whole lot of good in it. You could text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, it sounded like uh, when he was introduced, Kenny Dillingham was going to make an immediate splash with ASU football. And by God, by God he's doing it. We'll get into uh, what the latest is on the ASU football front next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I can't really comment on uh, any prospect right now, uh, but I can comment about that today is a great day to be a Sun Devil. Uh, this is a, a place that we are changing the perception of this place because I know what this place can be, and uh, we're heading in the right direction. Kenny Dillingham, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils football program. He joined Burns and Gambo yesterday on National Signing Day. And uh, we'll get uh, the views of Chris Cartman from Sun Devil Source, their publisher, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour today. But uh, he can't comment on recruits. We can. The uh, Sun Devils got a coup yesterday. <laughs> Jaden Rashada, the number 6 yeah. quarterback in the mm-hmm. entire class who had signed with Florida, um, there was this very lucrative NIL deal that was rumored to be up in upwards of $13 million yeah. that fell through. He leaves Florida, and he ends up at Arizona State. His dad, Harlan, played uh, at ASU in the early 90s. Um, so to get a player of that quality in your first class, mm-hmm. that is a major feather in the cap for Kenny Dillingham. I agree with that, and and I do think that there's a lot of optimism here. I think going into this, uh, the the big question surrounding Kenny Dillingham was, okay, can a 32-year-old really manage and run a major D1 program at that level? And the answer is we're going to find out. And the answer is he's off to a good start. Now, again, I, I, I'm going to uh, I not necessarily tap the brakes, but, but I do want to say this because as somebody who has been here a long time, just like you, I've been sold Sam Keller. I've been sold Dirk Cutter. I, I've been t- peddled the value of retreads like Dennis Erickson and Herm Edwards. Dudes, Daniels. dudes with just enough tread left to make things interesting. Mm-hmm. We've heard the, the, the school rave about the character of Todd Graham until... They whispered about how terrible Todd Graham happened to. So I've heard all. I've heard all of the, these false starts before. I've heard all of this optimism before. Different. Only the names have changed. Vinny put it that way. So I'm. A, I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I want to see this manifest itself onto a football field. But for a guy off to a start to get a quarterback like this, that's a that's a strong statement. Look. Now I'm not sure what Drew Pine feels about it, but I know when Drew Pine announced he was coming to ASU, there was all this. Artificial energy. Oh, wow. We're getting, wow. A transfer from Notre Dame. Wow. Yeah. But and it's the same thing. The kid for, oh, we got a kid from Alabama. Wow. Who didn't get on the field. Yeah, so let's already out of the program. Let's hold off on the wow until we see what it looks like. But for now, yeah, who wouldn't be um, impressed by the tone Kenny Dillingham has set? Absolutely. And, and to your point, I mean, we're coming off of a, of a coaching tenure and era where it followed that path. You were sold something, and I was a skeptical consumer of what they were selling at the beginning, saw the early results under Herm Edwards and what they were doing, and it was not sustainable, obviously. And that's why Kenny Dillingham is here. On the Rashada front, and I was having conversations yesterday with people, and they're like, well, we'll see if he's going to play right away. 
You don't think he's going to play over Drew Pine? I do Pine? think he's going to play right. Yes, I do when think you he's get a guy right away. In, in today's landscape of college athletics, with NIL deals and transfer portals and all of these things, you land a blue chip, you play him. Mm-hmm. You try <laughs> everything you can to keep him for no. as long as you can. Because so. he ain't going to be pay- He ain't waiting the way you, you want him to wait. No. No. And if this was a fallback plan until he can get paid somewhere else, I mean, that remains to be seen. But I would imagine this new Sun Devil Collective that's in place is going uh, you know, as, as a new number one priority, and that's finding funding to keep Jaden. I, I hate that I'm saying that about college football, uh, but to keep Jaden uh, Rashada in Tempe. Um, Kenny Dillingham also, uh, you know, he, he talked about the recruiting process and the, the whole subject of. You know, a lot of people, a lot of coaches get accused, Bick, of making empty promises in the recruiting process. Here was Kenny Dillingham's thoughts on that. Well, I think, you know, when you make promises to somebody in recruiting, uh, you're hurting them. And it doesn't doesn't matter if you come true to those promises or you don't come true to those promises. If I promise a kid that he's going to come in here and start and – He's going to come in here with an expectation he's going to start, and human nature is going to let him become complacent for 99% of America. So if I promise you you're going to play, and and by nature, by me doing that, you become complacent, I'm hurting you. If I promise you you're going to play and you get here and you don't play as a true freshman, how are you going to trust me as a coach? So either way, when coaches make promises in this deal, it hurts the player. And if coaches make promises to try to sign a kid, then that's fine. That's how they can operate. But I'm going to operate saying that if you come here, you're going to work harder than anybody in the country. If you come here, I can guarantee you that you're going to compete. And I can guarantee you that I'm going to do everything I can to make you successful in life. And I'm not going to make promises that I can't come come through with. Yeah, it's refreshing refreshing to hear, but but say if Kenny Dillingham 10 years from now is floundering to keep a job, do you think he's going to make a promise to a kid? Of course he will. It it changes with your circumstances as a head coach. Absolutely. The head coaches who have to make promises are the ones that get desperate. Kenny Dillingham's not desperate. He hasn't failed yet. So again, this is what this is just what I want to table. He's unbeaten and he's riding the wave and he's off to a really good start. He's saying all the right things. He's the latest coach to reinflate the idea of Camp T about how this is so meaningful. We're going to be back in Camp Town, Arizona. I still don't know whether that's a good idea. I know the alumni love it. I'm not sure it's the greatest way to prepare a football team for a season. I know what the benefits are. I know the camaraderie, the value of putting a dead sunk a skunk in a burlap bag and putting it under what somebody's bunk bed. I, I understand that. I, I know how that can build. Them. I know that can build character. You can bring a dead skunk anywhere, though. <laughs> I'm trying hard enough. Yesterday we had the discussion right. about the Cardinals' facilities as an organization, their training facilities, their office facilities, all of that. But I think it's really, really prevalent in college football. And we're, what, five, six years removed from ASU opening up their new football facility. And I remember taking the tour and walking through that with my jaw dropped. Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And you're like, well, probably now it's middle of the pack. Oh, it, it, compared to compared to some of the fiefdoms that have been built, but, like Clemson and A and M, you, you yes. see what they offer. It is yes. ridiculous. But here's where I'm torn on it. As a guy who's followed this program for forty plus years and roots for them, 
Camp Tonazona is important to Arizona State football. So mm-hmm. on one hand, you've got this constant push. We've got to be modern. We've got to be, you know. I'm not uh, saying that. Don't give the, yeah. state of the art, but on the flip side, it, it, who's it more important to to prepare? Is it more important to the alumni for them to go up for three days to Camp Tonazona? And reminisce. Or is it better for them to enjoy the spoils of what they have in Tempe? You remember when that Frank Cush guy made all those spoiled athletes run up that hill? <laughs> That's Scott you Farrell. Remember how great that was? Frank Cush. <laughs> Get him a beer. Um, how can I be the man with Frank Cush in the bed? The, ASU's recruiting class, They the NCAA removed the, the, the cap on signing limit this year. Mm. They had the biggest, including transfers, the biggest recruiting class in the country. Yeah. 40, 46 new players but, joining, 43 for Colorado, 40 for Nebraska. There's a real, Three teams yeah. with new head coaches. That's, yeah. Hey, listen, the, the young, fresh energy is so needed. You talk about a pendulum swing from Herm. <laughs> Herm, was on the t- Herm was on television the other day talking about how important good coaching is for kids. And I'm like, really? How would you know, homie? Bick, I flipped on yesterday morning before the show. I flipped on the TV as I was awakening from my slumber, and uh-huh. Herm was on Sports uh-huh. Center. And you know they're talking. About, he was just talking in those those general yeah. coaching oh, yeah. platitudes. Oh, yeah. Like again, the the, the repetition I, of coaches in in today's day and age of uh, using the phrase putting putting players in position to be successful. <laughs> isn't it ridiculous? It's the definition of coaching. I'm telling you, I, the scam that ex-coaches run on television, it is unbelievable what they get paid for relative to the lack of anything they bring. Yes, Other they than say just nothing. Their pres- they say nothing. It's amazing. It I is. It tr- right. <laughs> it is. Just be a mediocre head coach who gets fired with a good personality. You're set. Oh, I can do that. You're I set. can do that. And again, I don't mean to hate on Herm. I just am rubbed wrong every time I see him just slide back into that slinging mode that he's in. Yeah. I, I just, it just, it just doesn't sit right with me. No, and you're not alone on that either. Starting next Monday, listen for your name every day to qualify for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Just text SUPER to 620-620 to register. Once you hear your name, call within the time frame, and you could be headed to Super Bowl 57, plus win tickets to the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Once again, that's SUPER to 620-620. It's Arizona Sports All Access, presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, we hit the 7 o'clock hour. It was not a pretty view last night of Footprints. Center, but I'll give it to you next. Vinny's view straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.